Hello and welcome to Pete's Percussion Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Zambito, and we're here for episode 283 and part two of my conversation with University of Utah Percussion Director Mike Sammons. We'll check back in with him shortly. This past week was busy and challenging. Aside from the usual teaching of classes, there were lots of concerts to attend throughout the week, which all in all seemed to go well. I had a chance to put my athletic band's hat back on this week to conduct Mini Mizzou's pep band for the final women's home basketball game of the season. It was unfortunately a loss against Kentucky, but it was great to be back interacting and directing those students again. On the home front, we had to deal with a water heater leak that we had to get replaced. Thank you, home warranty. And our crazy cat, Manny, had to have surgery. Both the house and the cat are recovering well, but I'm not going to lie, it was a very exhausting few days. But overall, we are doing okay. And now, let's return to our conversation with Mike Sammons. As I hope you caught last week's podcast with Mike, we discussed his job and freelance work in Utah, his growing up under two band director parents in Florida, and his time at the University of Florida during his undergrad. We continue here in part two to discuss his time at Florida, a wonderful story about his band director mom, his years at the University of Arizona under Norm Weinberg and Gary Cook, and our usual closing segment, including discussions of rolling on marimba, playing pickup basketball, parenting books, and noticing the natural world, among other items. So let's get to it. We recorded this interview over Zoom on February 4th, 2022, and it begins right now. Because you, you keep referring to the small town Bureau Beach. I mean, obviously, uh, we've talked about it at length. You keep referring to it. <laughs> you keep referring to it. You keep, <laughs> we keep going back to Bureau Beach here. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, it seems there's a, lot, there's a lot to farm from there, too, clearly. You're in the state, but you're in a different part of the state when you go to Florida, right? Or is, does, I mean, does it feel like a different environment? Like, I mean, obviously, it's college, so that's different. It's a big school, so that's different. But, like, what does it feel like to be there? Natural. Okay. You know, we weren't just isolated to Vero. I mean, sure. I was always, I was always with the band. I mean, you know, we went to California, Rose Parade, yeah. Macy's festivals, concerts. I mean, it just seemed like a natural progression to 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 be at Florida at that at that time with with Dr. Broadway, and he was new. I think it was his first or second year, which, quite frankly, I didn't feel. And I think it's a big testament to him. I told him that, yeah. um, you know, it didn't seem like he was new. It, it, you know, it seemed like it was just rolling. And so, yeah, it felt like a natural progression. You know, obviously Gainesville's not a big town, you know, it's like, it is like the university, right. Is the yeah. town practically. Yeah. Oh yeah. If the, if the university wasn't there, it would, it would just be, you know, a, a rest stop gas station yeah, yeah. on, on I-75. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh but yeah, no, it was it was a natural progression. Arizona was a natural progression, although you're obviously across the country, you know. But um, it seemed natural. At Florida, did you march? I did the drumline. Yeah. yeah, you know, if you're talking about like drumline philosophy, I think what we do here at the University of Utah is is a, a good mix. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not doing one show a week, where the the drumline parts are really, you know are really basic mm-hmm. and you don't get a lot out of them because you're just trying to learn them so quickly right? and, and trying to put a product in the field. Um, I also think there's enough variety we do because we do multiple shows, but they're not once yeah. a week thing. So I, I think we kind of, and, and the philosophy of the line, you know, quite frankly, is kind of a mix. I mean, I've been around a lot of the, the DCI folks I've taught with them. They taught with me, yeah. they taught at their camps, they taught at their camps, you know, Brett, I mean, uh, no names, but you yeah. know, the top of the top. Mm-hmm. And um, so I bring that to, to the college line yeah. because I want to drum. I want to play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I want them to have a real education that they can bring to their high school line or whatever else they're teaching. Yeah. And, you know, I, I marry that with, and the band reflects that to, you know, kind of this BOA DCI slash model with the college model, but not quite. Yeah. And then, you know, doing the jazz was a lot of fun 
they wanted a street beat. They didn't want a drum line. They wanted a street beat line. So we built these, uh, we had a Rubbermaid and a metal trash can. Oh, okay. We mounted pots to them, like the LP pots and everybody had a symbol. So it was like a drum set. There were six of them. You could, you could spin them. You could move them. You could jump over them. You, I mean, you name it. They, we did it. And it was more about obviously the choreography of it. Yeah, yeah. And it was the the playing on it because there's only so much you can play on a rubber made, you know, yeah. trash can. Right. And so, but what that did is that I, I I thought to myself, you know, the crowd is just eating this up. Yeah. And they're playing nothing. I mean, yeah. it, musically, it's just it's it's pop, you know, pop music, right. and that, that's all yeah. good. Yeah. Um, it has a very it has a purpose, and you can totally. be really good at it. And it's exactly. yeah. And and the crowd just ate it up, and I thought. Yeah. You know, I don't think our our line is getting the credit. You know, the thirty second note singles clean right. goes by, and nobody's like nobody even hears that right. or acknowledges that. And yeah. it's like, wait a second. You know what? I think we could get more. I think our folks need more credit for what they're doing. And how do we engage the crowd a little bit more? Because we were so focused on sort of the playing and, yeah, yeah. and all that. Because that's me. And if I'm going to do it and I'm going to be involved, I want it to be clean. I want it to be good. Sure. I want it to be, yeah. I want to play. I, I'm thinking about it. What would I want to play if I were on the line? Sure. Well, I want to play notes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't want to play rock being number one on a cymbal. Yeah. yeah. That's just not what I'm in it for. Right. So all of that kind of informed in our drum line, you know, if you saw us at a game or they, they would look like a mixture of all of that. Yeah. And they're still going to play 30 second notes clean at, mm-hmm. 120 yeah. uh, but they're but they're also going to play give you a nice song strong two and four absolutely yeah. absolutely and they choreograph all this stuff it's great they've taken total ownership of it and uh the staff has done a great job of making you know of giving them that so that that just builds your culture too so yeah. that's that's the answer to your to your okay to your, to your drumline question because gotcha. so, i've talked to other people about kind of the there's a real art to writing pop drumline stuff for for colleges because it's not you it's it doesn't i always think of it as like the fantasia style that's like more of the dci but if you are right if you're playing pop tunes they need to sound like pop tunes like that's what the audience wants (laughs) so so the parts need to sound like pop tunes and then within that structure you can put in all the stuff you've just mentioned all the really artistic stuff can be in there yeah, so when we do our showcase, the drumline does a showcase. You know, we, we'll play some heavy-duty cadences and rip some notes for the kid that's, you know, one of our, you know, Ryan Ryan Hushaw's on the stair line. He's on the stair line for cadets. Yeah. yeah. And, and I want our students to be able to go from our line to that. Yeah. You know, but I also have to serve this other population, you know, this yeah. other population. So when we do our showcase, it's it's just the drum line. Yeah. We play some ripping cadences, but we also do some of that NBA or or NF more of the NBA. Right. Really. Yeah. yeah. More of the NBA kind of style street beat stuff that I took, you know, to to the Utah Jazz and from it. So, you know, and, and there's obviously some personnel correlation and you know mm-hmm. all of that too that that helps all that. So yeah. When you're finishing up at Florida. You said you were doing Ed. Did you, that's, you know, we, we talked about kind of like the point of you could go, you could go into this or you can decide. Now, were you thinking, I'm going to, did you try the band directing thing or did you already know that you wanted, you wanted. No, I lived that life. All right. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I mean, and I'm, I'm not saying that negatively. Sure. Yeah. I'm just saying you legit, you you legit knew that experience. Yes. (laughs) When I tell you I lived it, I'm telling you, I lived it. Uh, That's that's not a, that's not a metaphor. Right. Um, And and there were so many wonderful things about it. And like I said, I use that experience all the time, but I knew I wanted to just do percussion, but in a way I'm still, I'm still in that tradition because Mm -hmm. I am, you know, like I said, I'm I am at the university where I do get to, to, uh, to mentor and, 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 and be around young people and develop the next, help try to develop the next generation. And, you know, all, I, I've done a great job of staying away from the word teach actually lately in this interview. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've almost said it a few times. You can see me, you know, you can dodge it. The zagging. <laughs> and, you know, so I still feel like I, I, I won't say I am, but you know, yeah, I, I run the percussion ensemble. I mean, how is that different than, 
than running, you know, besides the pedagogy of it. I mean, an ensemble is an ensemble. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you, if you made me, I could, I could stand up in front of the orchestra, the wind ensemble for, for a few minutes and, and be okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not very long, but you know, I could, I could survive for, yeah. for a second because great music is great music and great ensemble is great ensemble. I, I don't, it's more alike. And that's, that's what I say to band directors all the time when they, when they say, I just don't know what to do with my percussion ensemble. I say, what would you do with your wind, your wind ensemble? Well, we talk about balance. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and it's, it's a different nuts and bolts vocabulary, but right. it's not all that different. And, and I think, you know, my background provides kind of a, maybe a unique empathy you know, for, for that. And I always say I was almost out of my, you know, people, people who know me, I'll say, yeah, I was in my dad's band. I was almost out of it a couple of times too. And, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, he didn't know what he was doing with percussion either. And and so I always feel like, you know, I was always doing that, yeah. you know, we were doing that together in, in a, in a way, but yeah, it was, it was difficult being in your, in your parents' band for, for sure. I don't well, know. Might I, have been, I was thinking there might have been a local expectation for, well, Mike's definitely going to be a band director. Or he'll oh, yeah. He's going to succeed his dad when he's once he gets his degree or something like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a big expectation on that. And and actually, I interned my degree track. I had I went back home because I okay. finished in the fall and I didn't want to, you know, I was trying to save some money and live at home. But yeah. I purposely interned at another you know, place and I interned out of town and, you know, I did, I did a lot to make sure that I wasn't, you know, Jim Sammons's kid. Yeah. Or Jim and Sheila. Oh, you're, you're, you're Jim and Sheila's son. Yeah. You know, I I really, and in some ways, you know, in my younger years, I really pushed back on that almost negatively. Mm -hmm. Like you said that to me, I'm like, dude, no. (laughs) And I I will tell you, you know, I give the, the folks at the university of Florida a lot of credit. They never treated me that way. And I mean, Dave Weber, I could care less who yeah. I, who my parents were and I didn't want him to care, Right. but I, I didn't ever get anything or not get anything because, you know, of, of my parents, but, but, but sometimes people would say, you know, you're in a certain crowd of van directors and they would say something and they don't know who they're talking to sometimes. Right. And sometimes I would let those people talk themselves into, to, uh, you know, things that they wish they wouldn't have said. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> then somebody would say, oh, Mike Sammons. And somebody would say, Sammons? As in, like, yep. Like, oh. <laughs> you forget the last 15-minute conversation? I said, yeah, don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> I've said... I said way worse about my parents than you just said. So don't worry. It's, it's all good. <laughs> but, oh, man. But yeah, they were really great people. I, I, I will tell you this because I, I'm, you're, you're making me go down memory lane in a way that I don't normally, I didn't expect all of this, quite frankly. So it's kind of coming at me, but I will, I will tell you this. I'll, I'll be vulnerable about this, I think. So I'm at band camp, my first band camp. I've always wanted to be on the Vero drum line. You know, this is the mm-hmm. drum line. You know, I, this, yeah. is the, this is the drum line of my youth. Mm-hmm. Here you are. <clears throat> and my mom was alive at the time and she was the assistant band director and, uh, or co-director, whatever. They were a team. Yeah. The other people on the line, man, they, they were really picking on me. I was a lot better than a lot of them. Um, again, I'd just been playing longer. It, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like I have some special skill. I just time and um so uh, you know they're picking on me badly my mother sees this and you would think she would stop it right so so she she goes to him and we all we had field dots or field markers or some crap you had to have on you at all times so you'd be in trouble so she says she tells the some of the other stair folks hey go steal mike's stuff and then i'll do an inspection and he won't have his stuff. And, you know, and they thought that was funny. They thought, oh yeah, that'll be great. We'll get Mike in trouble and blah, blah, blah. So she, she like doubles down. Right. Yeah, yeah. So here she comes, boom, 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 gets to me. I'm like, I don't have my stuff, you know, and we're on the field. It's during camp. Everybody's out there. She's like, see me after practice. Salmon's Salmon's see me after practice. Right. Not Mike, not son, not Michael. Right. Salmon's see me after practice. Oh crap. So, <clears throat> The entire band gets on the bus, starts raining. You know, it's like eight buses, yeah. you know. Uh, 
I'm out there. She's like, give me a lap. And when I say lap, you're like, oh, it's just a lap. There was like five soccer fields put together. <laughs> yeah. Ginormous facility. Like a two-mile like, lap or something like that. Oh, my that. gosh. So I'm doing a lap. It's pouring rain. It's yeah. Florida. You can imagine what that looks right. like. It feels like. And she's on the golf cart behind me yelling at me to go faster. And the whole band is watching this on these buses. Holy cow. Okay. So... <clears throat> I, I, I'm running my tail off. I yeah, yeah. get to the bus. I get on the bus. I, you know, I'm drenched. I'm like so upset. Yeah. My parents just embarrassed me in front of, I mean, the amount of things that are going on in your brain are like, you know, this is the worst day of your life. Yeah. I get, I sit down and she walks on the bus. She's soaking wet. She goes, if I will do that to him, what do you think I will do to you? yeah and that was the end of the that was the end of the kind of the we call that hazing now yeah yeah. you know and that was the end of it yeah she didn't say she didn't say a word to me Mm -hmm. if i will do that to him what do you think i will do to you you know and uh so we get back to the to the hotel or dorm or wherever and uh we were taped in with the you know taped in the dorms at that time i don't know how they yeah, I know what you. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So yeah. I get a knock on the. We get a knock on the door. It's after hours. Get a knock on the door. My my buddies, you know, uh, Randy Parks. I mean, these are my high school friends. I I know you know. I can still I know them to this day. Yeah. Like, I'm not answering. We were all in the band, you know. Uh, like I'm not answering the door. I'm not. I'm not breaking the tape. I'm not. And we like looked out. It's my mother. I'm like, I'm not breaking the tape. She'll send me home. You know, this is a setup. Yeah. Um, but she, you know, she finally convinced us that we weren't in trouble. And yeah. so we opened the door and she had a big box of like cookies and snacks for me and my friends and our, and you know, for the evening. And uh, she never said she was sorry and any of that. She just, but that was her way of, of, you know, doing that. And uh, awesome. yeah, it was really cool. And, you know, on the personal side, you know, she passed away, you know, a week later, <gasps> suddenly. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Very, very suddenly she had a heart attack and, and that was it. That was it. So, you know, we, we didn't get that relationship too, too long, but yeah. uh, she was, she was an interesting person, man. She was a, she was a, she was the first one to give you a hug. Yeah. it, To celebrate your victories. Yeah. And uh, she was also the first one to, to, to kick in a new one. Carry you a new one yeah. in front of everybody. No mercy. And you, 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 you know, you didn't fear, her, but you didn't fear her. You, mm-hmm. you know, you, you respected her. You loved her because she had such a rapport with you yeah. that she could kick you in the butt. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm fortunate to have that. And, 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 and look, don't take my word for it. I mean, I remember as a kid, we'd have 80 cars, 80, 90 cars at prom in our neighborhood. Because everybody wanted a picture with my parents. They they wanted a prom picture. They wanted a homecoming picture. And, you know, for a small town, I mean, her funeral, there was probably 20, 30,000 people there. You know, they were, they were, they were, when I tell you they were embedded in the community, I mean, they were embedded in the community. Uh, They were staples of the community. And the, the students that came into their, in their program in that time, especially in the, in the late eighties, early nineties, um, that at that time are fiercely loyal, you know, to, to, to that, to that band program. Now, many of them are, they're my age. We're, we're all, we have kids now and their kids are in the band. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, when dad was on his couple, last couple of years, the kids were walking the band going, you know, up to those, you know, old school, mm-hmm. you know, p- portfolios and like, Oh, that's my, that's my mom. Yeah. You know, that's my aunt. That's my, you know, so you have all these people that have had an amazing experience and they're flowing their families back through that. Yeah. And there's something really, really powerful about that. And when you do that over, as we talked about over generations, you know, over a period of time, you, you build up a, a sense of community, you know, very, very easily. And um, yeah, they were incredible people and they were surrounded by incredible people. You know, Bill Mann, one of the best, I always tell the story in my pit class, you know, how to find the line of, of pushing people. That's how you build confidence. Yeah. 
you push people beyond their own perception of what they think they can do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, early on, Bill, uh, I wasn't practicing very much for a little bit of stretch. And, and I was young, six, seven, first grade, second grade, third grade, maybe somewhere in there. And um, he said, bring, I want you to bring $21. Lessons cost $20 at that time. And he said, I want you to bring $21 bills in. And he stacked them, you know, and every mistake, boom, one, boom, 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 boom. And when that stack was gone, my lesson was over. Like my first lesson lasted like five minutes. (laughs) So I had to get, and I rode my bike to drum lessons. Yeah. So I had to ride my bike home. My my mom was like, what, what are you doing home? Yeah. She's like, get in the car. Uh Oh, we're going to see Bill, you know? And uh, she didn't yell at Bill at all. She just said, she says, I, you know, we're going to go back over there and we want, I want to know what you need to do. Yeah. You know, she wanted to know from him what the story was and she wanted to hold me accountable to make sure she supported Bill. Yeah. Also hold Bill accountable Mm -hmm. to make sure that I knew what his expectations were so that I could meet them. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and then the next lesson, it lasted a little longer. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, and then, you know, one lesson goes by and the stack stays. Yeah. And what do you think Bill did? He, he gave me, he gave it back. He said, here, there's your lesson. Like, oh, wow. You know, when you're second, third grade, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I had great people, mm-hmm. you know, that, that brought me up in a, in a, uh, it wasn't all lovey-dovey, you sure. know, <laughs> Tough, you call it tough love and that's kind of a bad word these days, but, but I don't mean it in that way. I don't mean, right. tough love like that. I mean, I mean, real, I think it's, uh, the word is authentic mm-hmm. and like real relationships. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think that's something that I try to create here, you know, so, and, and my other mentors were like that way too. You know, if I, if, you know, Gary Cook is Norm and, and, and Kim, we were talking about Ken Broadway and those, guys, those, those gentlemen, you know, they're not going to tell you, you did a good job unless you did. Right. But when they tell you it's a good job, you it's amazing. You have, you have trust. Yeah. You can go play your recital or you go play that gig and you say, I know those folks are behind me. Right. You know, and that's really, really powerful to feel like your mentors are with you in that. And if you don't have some hard conversations or there's not some growing, I don't think you can have that. I don't yeah. think you get the reward of that. Right. If it's all like, oh, it, you're doing great. Good job. You know? Yes. Yeah. So, boy, you got more than you bargained for with those stories. I think. No, that was great. Thank um, you for sharing. That's you're asking about my upbringing, and that, yeah. those are those are some powerful moments yeah. along the way. You know, the sticks yeah. I, I like the. I mean, I I hadn't thought about the term tough love, but I mean, I and I, but I mean, I. It's. I think it's what's. It's. It is still love. <laughs> like it's. Yeah. It can be like there's difference between. Tough and <laughs> tough love. Yes. Tough might, tough might just be completely void of, of, of warmth uh, or, you know, it just might be buzzsaw only. Well, and, and people think about that. It has a negative connotation. You think about bullying, you think about, I mean, no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. None of that. no, no way. No, yeah. no physical, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know that you'd make people run at band anymore. Sure. That's kind of an old school thing, but, but, right. you know, I mean, I certainly wouldn't, <laughs> you know, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Um, I'm not bringing in $21 bills and saying when your lesson is over, I'm not doing that anymore. I mean, that, that's, that would not be acceptable, but I'm, but I'm trying to take those values though and package it in a way that, that is um, appropriate for our time, right. you know, so to speak. Um and, you know, tough means, you know, it doesn't mean violence or any, no, none of, none of that. None of that. I think it, I, I, and maybe I shouldn't have used the word tough love, um, but I, I think authenticity, Yeah. you know, and real care. When someone pushes you, that means they care about you. Yeah. I think sometimes we, young people confuse that. Right. Like I'm pushing you because you're not good enough. No, 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 no. I'm pushing you because I believe in you. I trust yeah. you. You know, and there is that balance point as a mentor of like, you know, if you put the carrot too far in front of somebody that's not unattainable, that that can be negative. That's different. Yeah. 
so you have to find out like where that person is and yeah. how they can take, you know, you want them to get the reward. It can't be so unattainable, but it's, it's done piecemeal by piecemeal, by piecemeal, you know, so to speak. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, if you're able to, and it sounds like you're doing this, but if you're able to build the relationship, then when it, when it's time for you to just go, Hey, it's not good enough. And like leave, like frequently, if it's the right relationship, the student will understand, like the next time it's going to be way better. <laughs> Almost all the time. Like if, like I said, if the relationship is there, then yeah. they know it's time. And they you usually gotta, step up after that. Yeah. You got to lead with the heart. Yeah. You got to coach with the heart first in the relationship building first. And then if you have to have a hard conversation, you know, we, we talk a lot about the brand. Mm-hmm. and what we want our brand or culture to be around here. Yeah. And when you, the beauty about that for me is it takes me out of it. Mm-hmm. So it's not my standard. Right. It's not you versus me. It's us versus the principles of the values that we've decided that we're going to function under yeah. or strive to achieve. Mm-hmm. And we fall short of that. It's like, you know, I, can, I could go to percussion ensemble or say, how does our brand look? Oh, yeah. it doesn't look very good. Why doesn't it look very good? And they they drive that conversation. I don't drive that conversation. Yeah. You know, and it's as simple as, you know, one of our mantras is is clean and green around here, which means we want everything put, everything has a home and things should be nice and neat. We should know where everything is and, yeah. and blah, 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 blah. And I, you know, are we always perfect at that? No, sometimes there's like opera, ballet, uh, percussion. I mean, there's so many things going on that there's an honor band and, and things do get moved around. Sure. But to, to correct that, all you have to say is, hey, how's our clean and green, folks? And I'll say, ah, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, cool. What can we do better? How do we, you know, and then and then you're not hopping in and you're not having to do that tough love thing. It's like, no way. I, I, my job is to not, I, I've tried to create an environment where I don't hold people accountable. Right. They hold themselves accountable. And again, that's, and and for me, I have to hold, I have to be accountable to the to our culture and our standard as well. I have to live up to that personally. Yeah. You know, and so it, it's it's bigger than all of us. And if we're all working towards that, if we're all gonna make mistakes yeah. along the way, and we're all gonna have to pick each other up along the way. And that makes for, I think, a great environment, you know. So where you don't have to like walk out of rehearsal or you don't have to do any of that, yeah. any of that stuff. And I, I've never done that. I've never done that. Um, and, and we'll never, never do that. So anyway. Cool. How are you aware, I guess we'll say, how, how are you aware of the Arizona program and what's it like to, cause that now we're, when you go there, I know that you've been other places, but that is Definitely a different part of the country from where from where you had grown up and where you'd gone. Yeah. What's it like that transition? I knew of University of Arizona just because, quite frankly, you know Gary Gary Cook's teaching percussion. Yeah, and uh, I had done some homework, um, and I knew a lot of people were coming out of there with uh, DMAs and getting university jobs, mm-hmm. which is what I wanted to do. So I think that's so important is to find someone doing what you want to do and then and then go there. I also knew they had Norm and, and other faculty, so they would be a much you know call it bigger place. I don't I don't know if that's the right word, but certainly more you know Tucson's different than Gainesville, Florida. I mean, there's more arts. There's a little you know the symphonies there and some other things like that. So I knew that would be um, you know kind of a, a good launching point. And they were fantastic. You know, I went there. They were very very personable and. I just thought the world of, of both of them. And uh, like I said, I, I was drawn there first because of I knew a lot of people that had had graduated they have incredible reputation um, of putting people in university jobs. So there you go. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, living there was, uh, yeah, it was definitely a culture shock. I mean, you're in the desert for sure. But uh, it is nice and warm, which is good. Uh, most of the year, there's just like three months out of the year. I don't care where you live. That suck. You know? <laughs> Salt Lake City, it's February. I mean, it's like 20 degrees. I mean, it's, it's, it, I, I can't, uh, I can barely stand it. But in Tucson, it's like, you know, the summer is incredibly hot, obviously. Yeah, yeah. You know, although the summer nights are 
beautiful, gorgeous in yeah. Tucson. They're really great. But, um, you know, the time living there was fantastic. I mean, most of my time was spent in the school of music. So, I mean, you kind of, your head's down and you're, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of focused on, on what you're doing. Um, and, and that really, that really was it. I will say that, um, Mike Vercelli, Aaron Emery, and I uh, had a little percussion, kind of formed a little percussion trio, uh, did a lot of educational outreach and concerts in, in, in there, and, 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 and they promoted that, you know, um, and uh, we actually played at PASIC once on a new focus day, and that was great to get that experience at that, at that time, and um, yeah, so a lot going on there, Steel Band, Crosstalk, uh, Norm had the electronic uh, group going, the the world music, the percussion ensemble. Uh, they did some recordings while I was there. So, you know, the Hinastera Cantata Para Magica, uh, if you know that piece, uh, incredible experience. Norm did Lex uh, with Mark Rush there at that time. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of good stuff going on. And it was just, you're focused, really. Uh, I could have been in a, anywhere, not really have been too much of a, aware of it. Uh, you sort of so wrapped up in doing uh, being at the university. You finished your doctorate while you were working elsewhere. So was that like the last, was that, were you ABD and you just needed, and it was a document and you just, or a final, I'm not sure what, what is the, when you were there, what was the the concluding item for so you? The, the concluding, there was a couple of steps to that. You had to take your, uh, your written uh, finals. Yeah. That was done, done that way. And then you had an oral final. Mm-hmm. you sat down and you know they're they're throwing scores at you left and right like what is this yeah. um i remember norm saying he didn't even know what it was he blindly went to the library and picked it out you know but you had to talk about it or whatever and you know mm-hmm. gary's throwing pedagogical but you know drop the needle things history evolution i mean you, you name it um it was a it was a lot of studying um, I still remember that stuff. I mean, incredibly, I was, I was in my ped class the other day. I was like rattling off some of that stuff. And they're like, how do you know all that? I'm like, doctoral orals. That's how I know that. Right. And obviously it wasn't just them on the committee. It was, you know, you have the entire faculty or, not, or, or at least a representation of the entire faculty mm-hmm. at that time. And so when I got the job at, at Clemson, it's a sabbatical replacement job, um, I still had to do my written finals and I had to do my oral finals and I had my last recital slash paper dissertation presentation lecture recital. Mm-hmm. So while I was at Clemson, I did two of those. And then at, at, uh, when I got the job at South, I was on the job full time. They gave me a year, I think, to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, but good I, motivation. Yeah, it was difficult. I got to tell you, it was a lot of sleepless night, days and nights, or a lot of Sunday afternoons when you're like, I, you know, I need to take a nap and recharge. It's like, nope, I got to be up in the studio. Um, and uh, so I finished the lecture recital paper part on the uh, on the gig at South. Mm-hmm. But you know, part of me think, you know, people ask me like, well, do you take? You know, it was a debate. Like, do I take the job and kind of maybe draw out finishing, or do I? don't take the job and just stay in Tucson and finish. But, you know, I think, I think like then, I mean, like today, like then, I think it's similar. It's like, if you get a job, you get a job, you take it, you know, and and you, you, you go where it is and you do what it takes to get that experience because, you know, riddle me this, you know, how nobody wants to give you a book deal unless you've had a book deal before. So it's like, well, how do I get the first book deal? Because the first question is, what other book deals do you have? Like, well, uh, okay. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a catch 22. So the sabbatical replacement is, is a great way to, to kind of get your foot in there or, yeah. or, or things like that. And I think, and, and not just a, any sabbatical replacement, but the right situation. Mm-hmm. And maybe I said this earlier, but you know, Paul was so, so gracious with that. Yeah. And obviously there's an Arizona connection there. He went there, he did his DMA at Arizona too. So um, you know, he, he trusted me as well, just coming from the same, uh, kind of pedagogical background. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What years were you at Arizona? 2002, three, four, five, six, somewhere in there. Okay. Clemson, I think was seven. Yeah. Clemson was seven, eight South was, I came in the fall of eight okay. and then I was there for four years and I came, I can't believe this, but I've been here since 12. Wow. Nice. 12 was my first year here. It's gone by incredibly fast. 
Yeah. And sometimes incredibly slow, mm-hmm. you know, so sometimes change is slow and you have, you have what I call year zeros where you, you just yeah. don't, you feel like you made progress, but the starting place every year is kind of the same spot. And then it took a while for me to feel like, okay, I'm not starting, you know, at the first hole of right. the golf course every year. And um, yeah, it was just been a growth. And I think we talked about that earlier. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's great. Did you, do you know, uh, Josh Armstrong? Yes, I know him well. Yeah. Well, he and I are good friends from, um, from like the percussion pedagogy conference. Yes. But, um, but he, uh, I, I think he, I think he went to Arizona like right after you. He left. did. He followed me. Yeah. Yeah. He followed me. And and I think he's been, I, I thought I saw something from him the other day that he's been at Delta now, like eight, nine years. I mean, it's like, yeah. we're getting old. <laughs> it goes fast, like you say. It, well, I don't know about you. Please top in, you know, but the older you get, I think the faster it goes. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I finish up with a segment called random ask questions. Oh no. <laughs> That's a good start. Um, <laughs> first question is what's an issue it's possible something we've already covered, but I'll phrase it anyway. What's an issue in percussion education or percussion performance that most gets under your skin or drives you the most nuts? The conversation about rolling on marimba. Oh, oh, uh huh. You need to be careful here. Okay. But Are you not a fan? Is that what, where this is going? No, I'm not a fan. No, not a fan. Okay. Um, generally speaking, I mean, it depends on what it is. Sure. I'm, I'm talking more when I say that I need to qualify that. Mm-hmm. Like um, you'll, you'll see a lot of these, like mostly like two mallet, like the all state etudes and, mm-hmm. have, you know, it's like, or you're playing Bach. I see people roll certain things or they teach rolling to their students on Marimba. Mm-hmm. They spend a lot of time teaching rolling on keyboard. It's like save the rolling for snare drum and timpani. But like nine times out of 10, at least in, even in, and I'm not saying this as a university person, sure. you know, at all. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking about the high school student and the middle school student. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, like the, the natural resident of the marimba yeah. takes care of that. Sure. Yeah. It really does. So, you know, I, I get a lot of the all state etudes, and maybe that's where my brain is on the all state. Right. When I talk about this, mostly is the all state etudes. You know, I get a lot of people that come in and we do an all-state clinic here. And it's like, yeah, don't roll that. You mm-hmm. know, uh, they, they play a, a lot of the, out of the Gottlieb, you know, some of the Mozart, Beethoven, so the mm-hmm. box. So it's like, no, don't roll that. Why are you rolling that? Well, it says roll. Yeah, don't roll it. Like, look, the marimba rings. Mm-hmm. It's the quarter note. It rings. Have a good yeah. touch and it'll ring. You know, have a good yeah. mallet choice. It'll ring um, and, and things like that. And I know that's unpopular with, with, with some people, but... Mm-hmm. I got okay. I got that. I got you. I that I think I've come around to that. That 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 opinion, and I and it makes I'm it makes sense now in terms of like thinking of it interpretively when it's when it's not a piece that's written for our instrument, like which yeah, is especially primarily, yeah, especially, yeah. And if you're writing whole notes for the marimba, I, I question that. Okay, <laughs> you know, it's like. I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't have a pedal. Do you really want the role? Is that this artificial? It's artificial, you know, sure. mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and sometimes it is, it's appropriate. I mean, you never say never and I'm not against it, right, yeah. but you, you, that, that does come up and, and lately it's come up, which is why it came to my brain. I was having mm-hmm. a conversation about, you know, to roll or not to roll on marimba. Yeah. yeah. And that, that could be kind of a hot topic, controversial take on it. And it depends on, what you're doing and where you're coming from on that, mm-hmm. both musically and educationally. I don't roll on unless I absolutely have to. <laughs> sure. I got so. you. Where I tend to go on this is I feel like, and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking specifically of pieces where there is, where it is, it is required, like they are asking you to roll. Like the, yeah. this section That's is different. Whole. That's a different, yeah. Totally different. Yeah. Totally different. And, and, and I, what I, what I, where I was going with that is that frequently there's a lot of times where, where I just feel like on those things, there's just not a lot of time spent on those, on those sections, particularly when they show up in pieces where the rest of the piece is psychotically hard. 
And, and it's I've just never like, heard that term, psychotically hard. Yeah, well, <laughs> but I think it's appropriate because uh, when there's such a difference of of um, of of level that you and just and this is just like in the note learning, and then you get to a rolled section, you're like, oh, I can I can read that, and then they don't. Then there's like very little time spent on that kind of thing. Well, then it sounds bad, and it's like, wait a yeah. second, there, there's an art to that. Yes. There's a technique to that. And there's, mm-hmm. a, you know, that needs to be, you know, just as important as the rest of the piece. So, yeah. so yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against rolling on, on keyboard instruments gotcha. <laughs> altogether, but it is something that comes up and more often than not, I'll say, don't roll that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a quarter note. Like you're making more of a disturbance by trying to fit your role into that eighth note. than right. if you let the instrument ring. Yeah. You know, okay. so. gotcha. Very cool. Okay. Other questions, not, these are not going to be in the percussion realm, but um, has anyone ever nailed an impression of you? And if so, how'd they do it? Not that I know of. I'm sure it's happened mm-hmm. <laughs> in the hallways, but not, not that I know of. <laughs> I gotcha. It does not dress up like Dr. Salmon's day. Okay. So, okay. Now there's that. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, there, there's a great picture of my, in, in my, my, in my Alabama days, Yeah, I was, uh, I would be somewhat for some reason prone to wear, um, um, I don't even know what you call them now. Ding, ding. uh, floral shirts. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. The white shirt. And I would wear those on certain days, uh, Nobody understood why I wore them. Here's why I wore them. I needed the studio to be, maybe there was too much tension or maybe everybody just needed to relax at rehearsal or I would wear them on student days when they had recitals, right? I'd show up like, oh, yeah, your recitals today, oh, you know, or it's tomorrow, even better. It's yeah. not today, it's, it's, it's this week, yeah, you know. So I, I would subtly send some messages that way um i didn't do it just because i thought it was fashion fashionable which i don't I didn't but anyway there was a halloween thing i think with the whole studio like dressed they had all gone into walmart or something and gotten away so there's a great picture of all of us when everybody's wearing hawaiian shirts so yeah th- there you go there, nice. there you. i like it i like it did they surprise you or they knew you knew it was coming? Oh, they surprised me. Yeah. Oh, nice. I showed up to, re- to rehearsal and it's like, oh, wow. You know, I saw one person, I'm like, nice shirt. Uh, I saw another person, I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, there, there was a psychology behind that, though. It's, yeah. It's, uh, to setting the environment a certain way. So, yeah. Gotcha. It, what is one skill you have? It's not at all marketable, but you're an all time great at. You were talking about this is life skill. It's not not a does that have to oh, be life skill? skill? Yeah. Jeez, I don't know. I know I don't have much of a life outside percussion. <laughs> uh you know, I used to be a good basketball player when I'm in my younger days. Oh. Uh, but uh, you know, and I, I still have a good jump shot. I used to play with the students all the time. Mm. Uh, go down to the student rec center and I, I still do up until COVID. Mm-hmm. And they shut, shut everything's down. But you know, you don't recover. You don't recover as fast anymore. Yeah. I play a game of basketball now. I'm like out for two days. Yeah, yeah, uh, right. But uh, and your knees start to hurt and ankles start to hurt. But you know, I I, I love the game. I I used to be pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't play in high school or anything like that. My high school was too good. I would have sat the bench. Yeah, so I sort of stuck to percussion. But uh, but hey, a, a good pickup game. I'm pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. What's your? Uh, do you have like a? Are you you do you like a corner three? Do you, yeah, I'm a good. Yeah, at, at actually, yes. Yeah, really. <laughs> I'm pretty deadly from the, from the, from the baseline. Nice. Um, the 15 to 18 foot jumpers. I'm, I'm pretty good at, I'm pretty money at that. Nice. So I'm, I'm kind of like a three wing player. Nice. Um, you know, a lot of pick and pick and roll action. Sweet. Kick out. Um, I'm a good post player, but I'm not, I'm only six, one and a half. Oh, you know okay. I mean? So you don't, you know, yeah, you, you got to play to your strengths. Yeah, University of Florida. We used to play all the time, and they had like the rec league, and, nice. and we 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 do like the the B league team, and which is mm-hmm. all the guys. You know, the A league was like all the guys that played in high school but couldn't play on the team. Right. They were like oh, they're dunking and killing yeah. us. You know? Of course, yeah. 
it was fun, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I just stay out. Hey, I'll just stay out here and shoot, you know, <laughs> I'm not going in there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Awesome. Well, related. So I'm glad you brought that up. So related question is, do you have a sports fandom? No, I don't. Um, I used to really follow. I love, I like sports, but I generally don't sit down and watch it. Okay. I, I, I love live sports. So, you know, obviously I've, I've been to some jazz games and that's really cool. You get a great appreciation for, for those athletes. I mean, the speed yeah. you just on TV, you don't, you know, you don't quite get the same effect, but it's like, bang, bang, bang. Yeah. And, and boy, they can jump and, and, um, and, and really, uh, so you get an appreciation for, for that athleticism yeah. and for the craft and for how hard they work and develop that right. craft. Oh yeah. It's really impressive. Um, I love, I don't, but I don't sit down and really watch it. Like I have to watch Sunday night football or anything mm-hmm. like that. If I turn it on, I generally fall asleep. So it's like, it's like my nap time, you know? And, um, but what I love about sports is the, the leadership aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not just from the coach's standpoint, but the player's standpoint and the, you know, how that all works together. Um, I, I, I read a lot of, 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 of books about, um, athletes, you know, I'm a big Michael Jordan fan, you know, I mean, one of my, I have his quote on my, on my door, you know, basically it's about the love of the game, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how much is given and, and all that I do it for the love of the game. And, and I, I feel that way about percussion, you know, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a job to me. It's not a, it's a craft. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's a calling, if you will. It's, yeah. it's something that, you know, I could not do if I tried, and, uh, and I've, I've tried a couple of times, but, uh, uh, no, I have, I haven't really tried, but, uh, you know, it, it, that makes sense. So I like, I like the, at the culture aspect of this, of the leadership of the, mm-hmm. of the sports aspect. I'm not going to sit down and watch, you know, probably not going to make it through an entire game of anything. <laughs> um, but, uh, I do like going live and I, yeah. we have the, we have the triple uh, A team here in town, uh, oh. baseball team that's, I think it's the angels, Okay. And, uh, I love going out there, yeah. you know, hit, hit a ball game, catch, catch like the six to the ninth inning. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's beautiful. And so, yeah, I, I like, I do like doing that. I mean, baseball is, is super, is a very fun, like just go and, and hang. Yeah. Kind of sport. Yeah, it's hard to particularly, watch. Particularly at a, at a minor league level. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's hard to watch on TV unless it's the world series, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So, yeah, very cool. Another next question: What is a great movie and what is a terrible movie? I'm trying to think of something I've watched recently. <laughs> I I guess I like things that are um, historically tied in some way. Okay, I'm not a big uh, science fiction, you know, fan. Although I like Star Trek and I, I like the new Star Treks a lot. Yeah, um, I guess that's sci-fi, but yeah, um, but I, I tend to not gravitate towards that one movie i don't like is elf <laughs> really not a, not elf wow i played, played the show like oh, oh many years ago now and i did like a it's like 40 some shows i'm like i can't watch that movie anymore and that's fair and, and of course my at christmas time my family love you know mm-hmm. uh, i have the same affiliation with some of the other shows like uh, my uh, mama Mia, I, I know. Uh, yeah, okay. Mean Girls, no. Yeah, Aladdin, no. Any, any of the shows you've played, it's like, oh no. Uh, yeah. uh, but, um, but yeah, I, I like movies that uh, and books too mm-hmm. that have some sort of history. It doesn't have to be an autobiotic, a documentary or yeah. autobiography, but something that's sort of related to history. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do, I do tend to enjoy things that are too far. Mm-hmm. You know, abstract. Um, I guess I don't enjoy as much. I like, well, yeah. I don't know what that says about me, but there well, you go. okay. Well, I mean, you, the next, the follow-up question is, what's a favorite book? Right now, I'm reading a lot of baby books. Okay. So uh, my wife and I are due my first. Uh, we're due in late April, May. So oh, wow. we're reading Baby Wise and some other parenting books. Mm-hmm. Another good, a, a really good book is um, The Gift of Failure. Oh, I don't it's know. About, it's a it's a parenting book, uh, mm. educational book. It's all about uh, uh, failure is not a bad thing. I mean, it is if you frame it the right way. But like, how does a child learn how to to walk? 
they well they fall yeah. you know it's our, our job as parents to make sure that that fall is 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 safe mm-hmm. that they're not going to hurt themselves that the environment is set up for them to successfully fail <laughs> and mm-hmm. then learn by failing they learn by doing they learn by it's not it's not trial and an error it's trial and learning and um and and kind of getting into that to that world a little bit i read i read a i read do read some like uh, business books Okay. Um, I'm, I'm big on the, uh, we just read in the, in the, uh, in the studio, we're reading anti-fragile. Oh yeah. Yeah. So cool. And and we all read it together. So we, there's discussion and, and then, and then here's the secret to that you don't have to read everything, you know, you, yeah. you, you, <laughs> you kind of get a gist of every, you know, of the, from everybody. And that, that was a really good book too. And you kind of changed my thinking on some things like, uh, talked about, you know, people think being resilient is a good quality. Uh, maybe not necessarily. You know, it's 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 not about pushing against something. It's about using that something to evolve and better yourself. Yeah. You know, as you know, have you, have you have you read it? I know I, but I see I see it on my shelf. I, I haven't yeah. gotten to it. It's over there. But yeah. I do a lot of audio books these days because I I just drive. I have a, like a half hour drive to and from work. So I, mm. on any given day, it's like an hour in the car. Yeah, it goes by pretty quickly, but. The, the, the audio book sometimes help and, and sometimes nothing helps. I yeah. mean, it's uh, it is beautiful here. So I have a postcard moment every day when I drive somewhere oh, at some point in time. So sometimes I just try to be quiet. Nicole Dentling, she, she used to be a sports psychologist on the faculty here at the university. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, she, she left the university, but she's still in town and I've done some work with her. She works with that, our football team and mm. some other, she's worked with professional athletes. She's, She's really, really fantastic. And I've, I've done a little bit of work with her. In fact, her, her doctoral students, they have to do lab work. So we pair them up with our percussion students. Oh, okay, nice. I'm like cool coaching, kind of inner game yeah. sports and stuff. And uh, she she's an advocate of sometimes just driving quietly and just being aware, let things come to you as opposed to filling your space, you know, with uh, music or book or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just drive quietly and try to take in the scenery um, and be, be grateful for that. So, yeah, that's nice. Where is somewhere that you have not traveled to that you still want to get to? I've never really been to the Northwest part of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Oregon coast. Uh, I have been to Alaska. Alaska was beautiful. It's like, it's like the mountains here, but with water. Yeah. So it's like the mixture of both. Yeah. It's stunning. Um, uh, the other place that I've never been to is Boston. And I would love to go to Boston mm-hmm. because I love, I love history. Yeah. And uh, to, 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 to kind of be in that, uh, I just hear it's great. You know, I've been to New York city, I've been to Philadelphia, I've been to Washington, DC. Those are all great places to travel and, and, and see things and learn. And, mm-hmm. and uh, but Boston is definitely on the, on the list. So what is one non-music related goal you still have for your life? Uh, I'm always trying to lose 10 pounds, man. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm always like trying to shed a little, you know? Uh, so yeah, I, I get on the treadmill. I try to, you know, uh, every day. I, I just think sometimes, you know, I guess maybe it's the new baby on the way, but you know, how do I, how do I do for my child, what, you know, the really important people we've, we've talked about some individuals, you know, how do, how do I do for them what they did for me and and not just, but evolve that too. Right. Like it doesn't just, you're not replicating, you're just, you know, continuing the conversation and, and how do I take, you know, per, what I know about percussion and working with people and young people and, and, uh, and turn that into, you know, to practice for me, for me personally. And, um, you know, Janelle and I've been married for four years. Yep, four years. Okay. And um, so that's been, you know, kind of on my mind too. Like, um, I think, you know, something that's that a lot of musicians are go through divorces, and especially early in their and sometimes it's career kind of induced, and sure. and um, we get caught up in that. And and I've certainly made those those same mistakes in relationships and you know, choosing to practice over, you know, going out or whatever it is, or coming home an hour. Oh, it's just an hour. You know, I just need to say, you know, sometimes you have to do that, you know, uh, just like any other job. Sometimes, you know, if you're, you, you have to be somewhere, you have to go on the road for other careers. So it's not like, 
it's not unlike other careers, but I think musicians, we can really get wrapped up in what we do. So, you know, what Janelle's taught me and what, what our, you know, Carson's 17 now, Kendra's 15, you know, what they've taught me is like, you know what, leave your office. It's okay. If it's a little dirty, it's okay. If, you know, that I don't care how much email you do, it's going to be full tomorrow. And, yeah, and, right. you know, and obviously some of it is time sensitive and you need to respond and get things done, but, yeah. you know, kind of learning what is, um, what is, what is important, but not urgent. Yeah. What's urgent and what's not urgent and not important, <laughs> you right. know, and try to make sure that you're doing things that are, that, that really you want to be in, in doing work that is important, but is not urgent. That's when you do your best work. Right. When you're, when you're doing that. So, you know, just trying to get better at that and be present. Yeah. It's okay. I'm not going to be home, you know, this week I've, I'm not home. Um, I'm gone every night this week, but you know, when I am home, what is the quality of that time? Right. Is something that I really try to work on. And also, um, sorry, I don't mean to, um, you can cut me off if I'm going too long, but no, go ahead. Say so just try to be present in each moment that I have. So yeah, uh, not letting one moment leak into the other, um, into the other, into the other. Um, and and several people in my life have given me that advice to you know just try to, how to control all of it. Yeah, you know, don't let one world leak into the. If you have a bad lesson here, don't let the other the next lesson be bad. Right. You know, or if you have a bad faculty meeting don't take that into percussion ensemble right. and vice versa and all those things. So, yeah. you know, that's really difficult for me. Okay. Last couple questions. First one is uh, strangest, most bizarre or funniest percussion moment, performance moment, excuse me, that involves you. I'm just, I'm just trying to think of something worthy, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. Pro maybe the funniest lately is, is uh, so in Mean Girls, there is these, um, the, the conductor triggers, I'm telling on the conductor, this is not great, but uh, he triggers like the sound, there's some sound backing. Yeah. And uh, there was this like really quiet, you know, supposed to be this quiet ballad, you know, moment and he triggers yeah the hip-hop the hip-hop track it's nice. like it's like this big kaboom crash you know it's like whoa <laughs> uh you know things like you know some lots of moments like that you know yeah. or you you drop something or uh you know the, the lights go out that that happened the other day somebody triggered the lights instead of the metronome and all of a sudden you're in the dark you're like oh, okay this is great <laughs> Uh, you know, but the show goes on, yeah. you know, so to speak. So, you know, okay. those are very human moments that remind you to not take it too seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously. Right. Don't let your, you know, it, we're just making music. It's just yeah. drums. We're just hitting things. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not life or death, right. you know, even though it might feel that way. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe sometimes it is, you're taking an important audition, I'll tell you this, one of the um, most difficult performances was when you're, you know, uh, auditioning for, for, for the gig. Yeah. You're thinking, Oh, I hope this goes, you know, it's, it's so self, it's so product driven. It's so self one driven. It's so expectation driven. You have a lot on the line, especially at um, certain times when you have a family and you're like, man, if I don't win this job, how's, how am I going to pay the, the bills? How am I going to, right. Uh, but you know, we land, we all, we all somehow land where we're supposed to be. I think I, I try to think that way. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, those, those moments are just good reminders. Yeah. You know, you chuckle. Yeah, that's good. So Excellent. All right. And last question, Mike, what one piece of art could be movies, books, podcasts, YouTube clips, theater, visual art, poetry, anything has impacted you the most recently? Jeez. You know, I'm, I'm going to go back to the driving Okay. You know, I, I think, I think in my daily life, I try to, I try to increase my awareness of my surroundings and the beauty that, that surrounds me, whether it's walking through campus or noticing the, they do a great job of landscaping here. Mm -hmm. uh, I do, I do like to, I'm a yard guru, you know, not guru, but I like to work in the yard. So I pay attention to that, to that natural beauty. And I say, Oh man, the tulips, they've planted these beautiful tulips or they've, you know, the trees have changed or, you know, I, I think that's, 
um, you know, if you're on a daily basis recently, I mean, that's always on my mind. Obviously, I find inspiration in a lot of different things. So I would say recently, right now, it's, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I have one specific. It's the driving. It's noticing nature, it sounds like. Yeah, I think just trying to be aware of your surroundings. And, and even in the symphony, I think this is so powerful. I, when I sit there, uh, sometimes you have long rest counts of, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're counting. I try to listen to the other great players, the oboist, the, the uh, Madeline, the concertmaster, yeah. uh, Catherine last week uh, with the symphonic dances and, and some of those, you know, you just try to soak that in, try to soak in what the conductor is doing. Like, wow, that gesture really worked. Or you know, how does that relate to me? You know, how can I think about sound differently or how can I think about making that color? I was in the orchestra last week and, or maybe it was this week. And there was a sound I, I could have sworn it was a suspended symbol and it wasn't, it was like just the perfect combination of like the harp, the flute, the, the oboe, I think there was a muted trumpet in there. And it was like, it sounded like a sizzle symbol all of a sudden. Mm. It was like, wow, what is and I like, you know, you look to your colleagues like, wow, that was a great. Oh, that's not a symbol, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know? And, and I think little things like that, I, I think I try to pay attention to that more than I'm looking at this big piece of art, you know, that's like, I'm going to draw inspiration from, yeah. not that I don't do that, right. but nothing is coming to mind at, at, at the moment. It's more of these little all, everyday along the way experiences that I'm trying to pay attention to more now, you know, and obviously I'm influenced by all the other stuff I said, you know, probably the last eight hours I've been talking, which is way, way too, way too much editing for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. I hope it's a good sign. We've been on long enough. You, you could have cut me off a long time ago, I guess. So. Um, gotcha. All right. All right. Well, Mike, we're done. Thanks, Thanks dude. so much. I'm uh, I hope I didn't, didn't uh, disappoint. No, not at all. This was great. So I hope it was good for. I hope you had a good experience too. You know, like I don't want to. Yeah. Oh, you. Uh, yeah. I, I, no, it was good. I mean, dude. First of all, I mean, if I didn't say this, please forgive me. Uh, you know, I, I ask forgiveness, but I'm just honored and 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 shocked, obviously, that you would ask me. But oh, wow. it, it's it's truly an honor to to have spend this time with you and. And that you would allow me to, to, or think I'm worthy. And if you don't feel free to trash all this, <laughs> that's not going to happen. You know, feel free to like, oops, that one just didn't fly. Didn't happen to fly. <laughs> or, you know, here, here's the podcast. It's a five minute clip, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but uh, no, no, thanks for, for doing that. And, and quite frankly, I, you, you have such a wonderful presence. I mean, yeah, you, you, you dragged some, very personal stories out that I don't really talk about, quite frankly. Um, well, I appreciate you doing you know, that. And, then, and, not, and not, I don't talk about them like they they hurt me. Sure. And, you know, and, or I wouldn't have brought them up. But but there's not something that I, you know, can't, you know, think about too often or, you sure. know, or discuss, you know, quite frankly. But um, so I give you a lot of, you have such a great demeanor about you. And I would love at some point in time to meet, you know, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want this to be it either. Sure. So, so. I agree. What a fabulous time getting to talk with Mike Sammons over these past couple of episodes. As I mentioned before, he came highly recommended from numerous folks I've had on the show over the years, and I was thrilled to have him on. And he shared a wonderful Facebook post about this, which I greatly appreciate. Great to chat with you, Mike, and I hope to meet you in person very soon. This week's rave is the 2021 film Drive My Car, starring Hidetoshi Nishijima and Toko Miura, Originally taken from a short story by author Haruki Murakami and directed by Ryuzuki Hamaguchi, now streaming on HBO Max. I had to work myself up to watch this film, to be honest, because it was framed as it's a three-hour meditative film on grief. Can I interest you in that? No? Well, 
In any case, as we are getting into the Oscar and award show season in general, it was great to see this with friends in what turned out to be a packed house in our local art house cinema. The film stars Nishijima as an actor and director in Japan who is tasked with directing an experimental multi-language version of the famous Anton Chekhov play Uncle Vanya, a work that his wife translated. As part of the contract that Nishijima signs to direct his work, he asks to stay about an hour away from the rehearsal and stage location, but is required to have a driver. That driver is played by Toko Miura, a local woman who is hired by the acting company to drive Nishijima to and from work throughout the rehearsals and performances of the play. These put in place the specifics to get the ball rolling on this movie. During the drives in the car, Nishijima usually practices his lines for whatever play he's working on, but with another person in the vehicle, things move along in different directions. What becomes clear throughout the movie is that each character is dealing with some major trauma in their lives, or traumas, in fact, and those stories get brought out very slowly throughout the film, as they would in real life. And as the folks in the production and those related to both Nishijima and Miura slowly become more comfortable with each other, those items of healing from those traumas start to take center stage. Even though the film is three hours long, it is confident, self-assured, and rarely includes moments that go on for too long. The actors are fantastic, particularly Miura in the role of the driver. It is a challenging but very effective movie, and if you are up for this kind of challenge in an international film, nominated for four Academy Awards, including Best International Feature Film, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Directing, and Best Picture, check out Drive My Car. Now streaming. And that's our show. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave a comment and a rating. You can always find every episode and the show notes at the homepage at PeteZambito.com slash Pete's Percussion Podcast, the episodes. The show is also on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast locations. If you're on Facebook, like the page Pete's Percussion Podcast. You can find me there on Instagram and Twitter at Pete Zambito or by email at Pete's Perk Pod at gmail.com. And I'll catch you next time. Until then.